Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands we record this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, as well as the Wanarua and the Gamilaroi people. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. With school holidays upon us and both the domestic and international borders now reopened, at least here in Australia, many of us are jetting off to destinations near and far. But while some report almost empty resorts, others say some tourist destinations are heaving right now. So where is everyone going? What places are the best to avoid the crush? Why is it taking so long to get a passport? And where in the world is still closed off to travellers in July 2022? I don't know about you, but I have approximately 800 friends who are currently posting idyllic holiday shots from exotic locations across the globe at the moment. Belle is in London, Crystal's in Croatia, my parents are in Ireland, Lies was on Hamilton Island, Shelley at Disneyland. There's no end to the stunning sunsets, tourist jaunts and family reunions being posted on various platforms as Aussies head back out into the world we were cut off from for two years during the pandemic. Now, with the school holidays upon us, thousands more are heading off for a trip. So here's a few things you should probably know before you go. For starters, if you're planning on leaving the country and you don't have a current passport, you better get on that, because nearly 2 million of us let our passports expire during the border closures. There are massive wait times for the applications to be processed, with some choosing to join lengthy queues outside passport offices to see if they can get that process sped up or even just find out where their application is at. I'm travelling with a friend and her family next week, and she renewed her kids' passports 14 weeks ago. After numerous unanswered calls to the Sydney Passport Office and seeing the lineups on the news, she decided to drive to the Passport Office in Canberra last Thursday so she could pay for the passports to be expedited. They were really helpful and they assured her that the passports would be ready for pickup in Sydney this week. It's now Thursday, a week later, and she still doesn't have the passports. When I first applied for my passport, I was told that it would be six weeks before it just arrived in the mail, which I've done before. It hadn't yet expired. I was trying to be very diligent and do it a little early. But six weeks passed, seven weeks passed, eight weeks passed. And not only had it not arrived, I hadn't heard anything. And when I tried to call the Australian passport office, you actually can't speak to anyone. Like if they open at 8am, if you call them at 8am on the dot, there's already a queue and they hang up on you. Anyway, it ended up through a million emails to a million people, had to go through Australia Post as well. They ended up expediting it and getting it to me and I had to go to a warehouse, an Australia Post warehouse, the day before I left and pick it up. So it was terrifying. My advice to everyone is please just, if you have a holiday in five years, 
just update your passport, get it ready now. When I went to renew my daughter's passport 13 weeks before our trip that's planned in September, the lady at the passport office urged us pretty seriously to pay for priority on top of the cost of the passport because delays were pushing that 12-week mark. So we actually paid the priority fee, which cost more than the actual passport itself. So $380 and three weeks later, we have the passport, but it cost way more than we were expecting to pay. The Australian Passport Office website says that it is a minimum six-week wait due to the current increase in demand. That's minimum six weeks, not that it will arrive in six weeks. Having processed 400,000 passports in the first three months of the year, more than double the number they issued in the same period last year. But not everyone is having a tough time of it. Amelia had hers turn around pretty quick. After hearing the news about passport wait times and long queues, I immediately jumped onto getting my passport renewed. I submitted mine on the 1st of June and I actually received my passport a few days ago. So it only took about 20 something days, but I was so shocked to receive it so quickly because I was expecting it in August. Plus I didn't even pay the express fee. Assistant Minister for Foreign Affairs Tim Watts says they realised that they needed to fix the problem fast, so have been putting things in place to make it happen. We are putting people into the Australian Passport Office as soon as we can find them and train them up. Um, And in the next week, we'll be putting on 330 extra staff into the call centres and 300 staff into the processing of passport applications. So after you finally get your passport sorted, what's it like travelling in this reopened world? To go to places that have been irrevocably changed since COVID entered our lives. Mamma Mia's own Jessie Stevens, co-host of Out Loud and Cancelled, had a multi-country trip to the US and Europe. When Jessie left for the US a couple of weeks ago, you still needed to have a negative COVID test 72 hours before departure. But she says you need to make sure you follow the rules to the letter. My sister said there were people showing up at the airport with a negative rat in a snaplock bag because they didn't understand that paperwork needs to be official. So that was a bit stressful because you don't know last minute if you're going to test positive. The lines were long. The airport was pretty chaotic, but we felt really good once we were on the plane and then actually getting to the US. It was funny. It was an incredible experience and the best holiday I've ever had, but I think you can almost feel the ghost of the pandemic in a way. New York is a different city. You stop and speak to people and the look on their face when they tell you about what happened in 2020 in New York, it reminds you that this city is traumatised. It's been through something terrible. Your next stop was over to Europe. Did it feel different heading to Europe as it did to the US or is it all quite similar? It was quite similar. The only real difference is that in the US, when you fly domestically, you do not have to wear a mask. So we flew between Boston and New York, and that was quite weird, being in an airport and on a plane where people didn't have masks on. In Europe, that's completely different. You have a mask on as soon as you're in an airport, especially Italy. I think because of what happened in Italy, they are probably the most vigilant in terms of if you get on a train. I got on a train once and I was sort of getting my mask out of my bag and you could feel people glaring at you. It's taken very seriously, mask wearing. Again, Ubers, taxi drivers, they've all got them on. And then the other big thing, I suppose, is inflation and the cost of travel at the moment, which people probably ought to know. The US is extremely expensive. Greece is expensive. Inflation there is the highest in 28 years. Italy is a little bit more affordable. 
How did you find the crowds? Are there many tourists back out and about, especially, as you said, it is summer in that hemisphere? Are they getting out and about again? Are places crowded once again? Yes, but it it contributed to a real buzz in the air and I never felt unsafe. New York wasn't as much, but then I think that's always been the case that New Yorkers actually get out of New York for the summer. Rome and Florence, capital cities, are really starting to pick up. But in saying that, they're prepared for it. So if you want to go to a museum, I'd probably say book online a few days in advance. But we didn't spend days waiting in line for anything, which was really good. And it was quite nice walking around these major cities and there being such a buzz in the air and knowing how many tourists were just so excited to be here again. Jessie wasn't the only Mamma Mia colleague to jump on a plane out of here recently. Host of True Crime Conversations, Gemma Bath, hopped over to Fiji in March. And she says initially she felt a bit overwhelmed with all the things that had to happen before takeoff. I was really nervous because when you look on the websites, like the Fiji travel websites, the Australian websites, there are lists and lists and lists of things you have to do. I think there are about five or six things I needed to check off. So I was quite nervous about it. But once I actually put it all into practice, they were fairly self-explanatory and fairly easy and things that I'd probably do anyway. So things like being double vaccinated, which I already was, it just was a matter of getting the international version of that on my phone. It was getting the uh, rat test before I went over, which I was nervous about, but I went through Sydney International Airport and they had a service at the terminal that you could use, which I walked straight into, walked straight out of, waited 15 minutes, got my negative test, jumped on the plane. Things like travel insurance that included COVID coverage, which I would have wanted to do anyway in case I got it over there. So it was just things like that, that obviously in the olden times of pre-COVID, we wouldn't have had to do, but they're kind of things I would have wanted to do for myself anyway, traveling in a post-COVID world. So I think it was intimidating thinking about it, but actually in practice, it was fairly self-explanatory. What was the vibe like when you got there? What was Fiji like? Was there lots of tourists? Was it busy? What was it like? Oh my gosh, the Fijian people were so thrilled to have us there. So we went in March and it was still, I think it's picked up a lot in the last two months, but when we went, it was still fairly, I wouldn't say new, but there weren't as many tourists. So our resort was at 40% capacity and they said it had been slowly increasing over the last few weeks. And the people were just so excited to have you. Like obviously tourism is such a huge thing in Fiji and they hadn't been able to do it for two years. That's people's livelihoods. It just felt like amazing to be surrounded by people that wanted you to be there and couldn't wait to help you and serve you and and wanted to make your stay as beautiful and special as possible. So it was actually a really exciting time to travel, like not only for us, but for everyone else that was kind of receiving us on the other end. It was quite a nice way to be reintroduced to the international world. Now, we know that here in Australia, some tourism operators are struggling to get back on their feet, either financially or because they can't find the staff. How did you find tourism operators in Fiji? Did they seem fully prepared for people to return? Yes, fully prepared. And I think that that's because they've been preparing for this literally throughout the whole of COVID. And so even things like part of the Fiji protocols when I was there was that you had to have a COVID test within 24 hours of arrival and then 24 hours before you left to get back into Australia. I think that's changed now. However, the resort had their own COVID marshal. They'd set you up. They'd put you through. They all had big smiles on their faces. They wanted to make it as enjoyable as possible because obviously having a swab put up your nose on your holiday 
is not great, <laughs> but they tried to make that super easy. And I don't know, I've never been to Fiji before, so I can't compare it to anything, but I have traveled to you know, plenty of countries that I would say are similar to it, even places like Bali. And it felt like the travel operators had a new kind of energy about them. Like everyone was like, yay, we get to do this again. So where are the most popular places to visit right now? And where's your best value for money? Nathan Varney is a travel consultant at Flight Centre Travel Group. Nathan, where is our most popular travel destination right now? Where are all the Aussies going? It's definitely Europe at the moment. Everyone's wanting to travel back there again. Heaps of people going to the Londons, to Rome. Spain, in fact, has gotten a lot more popular recently. But then even the other side of the world, so Vancouver. You're even seeing a lot of South America as well, like Santiago. All those big touristy places where there's a lot of Australian permanent residents wanting to see family again. Uh, very popular. On the other hand, I'm hearing some people, like a friend of mine went to Fiji not long ago and she said that the resort that they stayed in was sort of three quarters empty, that it was quite quiet. Are there places around the world right now that are proving to be a little bit quieter, that might be a little bit of a hidden gem for travellers who want to be away from the crowds right now? Yeah, definitely. And I would agree with Fiji. Fiji was one of the first countries to open up to Australians. So everyone was traveling there. It was like our new Bali. But since then, it has quieted down a lot. So traveling now there is actually quite cheap, especially Fiji packages. It used to be quite expensive because everyone was going there. Other destinations I would say would be Vietnam is very quiet. Considering it's a country that has very flexible rules for Australian travelers, you don't need to do a COVID test. You just need to be fully vaccinated to travel. One of the other places I'd say is Vanuatu. They've just recently opened up their borders. Still, the rules are a bit strict, but heaps of Australians can travel there. And I haven't really heard people booking Vanuatu a lot. So flights there would be very, very cheap at the moment. Speaking of flights, ones that are not so cheap are flights to Europe at the moment. And there's lots of people saying how they are incredibly expensive compared to pre-pandemic prices. Is this expected to kind of continue on like that for a while? Are those airfares expected to come down anytime soon? Yeah, definitely. I think traveling to Europe right now is very expensive, especially last minute flights. The last minute deals aren't really a thing anymore because all the flights either get fully booked or airlines just need to get their bank accounts quite high compared to what they were during COVID. So they do not really go on sales last minute. I would always recommend booking six months in advance. Although right now for Europe, if you're looking at next year, I quoted up someone last week, it was only $1,200 return for Italy. It was super cheap. Now, and I've already mentioned that some places have sort of different rules in place as far as the pandemic is concerned, Vietnam not needing you to have a COVID test. But is that still a major part of travel at the moment is ensuring that you've had, you know, that test within 72 hours of departure and all of those kinds of things? Or is it more just rat tests at the airport? What seems to be the sort of most common way of dealing with COVID testing whilst travelling now? Yeah, fantastic question. That was very prevalent a year ago and even six months ago even. But a lot of places, even in Europe, have dropped their requirements. So, for example, the United Kingdom were the first ones on board, not having any tests required. But yeah, a lot of places within Europe now don't require you to get tested before you go. You just need to show that you're fully vaccinated at the departure airport when you leave Australia. So it's super easy to travel to a lot of places. You just have to make sure the rules do remain the same and always check the rules two weeks before you travel, just in case they've changed it to you needing to get a test or if they've dropped it so you don't need to get a test. 
Nathan, I'm going to do a quick trip around the globe right now. Can you give us sort of the best value for money places that we could think about traveling to for the rest of 2022? So keeping that six-month booking process in mind, say if we were to head to, say, Central or South America, where's a good place to head to this year? The best place to go to would be, I mean, Cancun is always amazing and a lot of flight schedules have just reopened up to get people there and more schedules opening means cheaper tickets because more seats are available. For South America, Santiago is the best place to get to from Australia because there's a direct flight from Sydney, Auckland, Santiago. And then you can just branch off to so many places in South America from there. The other place that's a really good value for money would be Buenos Aires. All right. The expensive spot, Europe. Where's the best place to go this time of year? Uh, Best value for money. Paris would be a good start, which normally I wouldn't be saying Paris, but it's good to branch off from there. Heaps of flights are going to Paris at the moment with many of the main carriers, and you can easily take the Eurorail to get to many places like the London, Switzerland, Germany, as they have direct trains and you don't need to worry about getting off at the wrong stop. Apart from that, I would say Germany have heaps of flights to get you there. Value for money isn't there with the train travel as well as really low-priced food. And if you just stay outside of the city, you'll be able to get some really cheap accommodation as well. What about closer to home, our neck of the woods, maybe Oceania, Pacific or into Asia? Where's the best value for money? I know you've mentioned Vietnam already. Where else should we be travelling around our neck of the woods? At the moment, I wouldn't say New Zealand just because everyone's booked there and it's almost sold out for the rest of this year. However, places like Samoa, I know, has just recently opened. So a lot of families that normally would go to Samoa can now go back and the rules are a lot more ease than what they used to be. So I'd say if you're wanting another travel destination, probably Samoa as it does have some beautiful sites and heaps of culture to it as well. Not all tourism operators are fully back to pre-pandemic status. And with the current labour shortage, there are some issues with not being able to accommodate or serve as many people as they did before the closures. So we need to be mindful that some places may not be able to run as efficiently as they did in pre-COVID times. There are also some issues with airlines getting back to normal and dealing with rising fuel costs. That has led to flight cancellations, which are throwing a spanner into our holiday plans, an issue we'll be exploring in another episode of The Quickie next week. Until then, good luck with your passport, plan ahead a lot, get your travel insurance right and have a great trip. This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Tom Lyon. Big thanks to anyone listening who's become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. For more information, there's a link in our show notes.